to Don of X Book Chat, where we discuss um com well we discuss Don of X, but um Don of X is a little we're more like the sun's kind of not come out yet at least or is kind of gone down a little bit on Don of X right now. It will come back, but it's just not up right now. My name is Fox. And I'm Rodgers. I'm Juan. And I'm Almas. And this week we read Inferno. I have a story related to this. Um, in February, on my birthday week, I was in Boston and my sister gave me an edible. And then I was like, <laughs> I'm going to do acid. So on the train back from um, Boston to Providence, the acid hit. And I freaked out on the train. But I couldn't freak out because I was on the train. And as I walked out, I ran into a mailbox, and that just scared the fucking shit out of me. And I can 100% agree with your statements that Inferno feels like a really bad acid trip. It, it's, it, I just, there, there was a scene that really stuck with me from this event, where Wolverine cuts open an animated mail post uh, or animated like mailbox and letters come spilling out and he opens up the letter and the letter talks to him and i was reading this and i this was and i was reading a lot i had finished a lot of this last night since i've been kind of busy and had to while during trying to read this and i was just like wow this event's doing a lot huh like i get it I, I I was ex- like you know I get it was gonna be supposed to be you know crazy and wild because I mean it is a demonic invasion but like I didn't imagine it to be almost cartoony wacky if you get where I'm coming from. I think that's the fun part about this event. I feel like Inferno is one of my favorite events, so I'm always hyped up to read this one. Um, I think the thing I like about it is because it's so cartoony and wacky. It feels very organic it feels like even though bob harris um i read something about it like when he was running this he had like 15 timelines going to make sure each character was in each book and like the like they weren't crossing over but like the entire event feels very organic and it goes from like um issue to issue without it having that like we're forced in this position and I think that's what makes the event fun is because it's so wacky, anything can happen and it's fine. Did anybody yeah, the read any of them? Sorry. No, you're good. I was going to say, the one thing I can, um, well, a few things I can say about this event, but the one thing I'm going to bring up right now is it did really flow very well. Like, I really like the flowiness of this event. Like like you said, Almas, each issue just kind of continued right from the where the last issue ended. Our continued the, the the other story that was going on in the event and I really like that because in some events I can't think of any right now but but in some events you know you have kind of like the continuity's kind of off like some of the other issues like the writers didn't communicate with each other and it's kind of you can kind of tell but in this event it feels like they really worked together as a team back then and like when was this like 1989 I think this was done mm-hmm. and I really, it was really enjoyable. Like the, I feel like the middle was kind of slow and kind of a little bit difficult to get through. That's why I had to stop a few times because it's a lot of issues to read. But my favorite part was the end. The end was like 
everything just hit the fan and you, you could it was so much easier to read even though it was kind of like some of them were like double-sized issues but i didn't really notice until i like looked at the number of the pages because it was just so easy to read i just flew through it towards the end you know who's i who i believe is the all star of the whiz kid like that that kid came out of nowhere and was just like i'm gonna fix everything and that was a wheelchair kid right yes yeah his i i first came in contact with whiz kid through avengers academy he was avengers academy near like midway through the book gained like a lot of new cast members that didn't really do anything and WizKid was one of them. He was one of those people you saw in the background. And I was like, oh my god, that's the kid from Avengers Academy. <laughs> We're like, no, he was a he was an integral part of, and he, he was an integral part of this book. And his and I'm sorry, but he, his powers are really OP. Yeah, was it was he in um the um Avengers Academy, the um the arena battle thing now? No, he wasn't. He was not in Avengers Arena. He was, he, I believe he actually, there was a part in Avengers Academy where there was like a split where um Jocasta went to like a, Jocasta, you know, the robot that was based off of Janet Van Dyne's. She's basically, she's like the Vision, but instead of being based off of Wonder Man's mind, she's based off of, um, uh, the wasp's mind, and so uh, Jocasta went to like a rival like superhero school, and Wizkid went with her. So that's that's pretty much it with that. But it was just it was really cool how really cool to see that character. But um, and how just integral he was to the plot. This kid that came out of nowhere, just some kid that went to school with Artie and Leech. Is he confirmed to be a mutant? I believe so. Oh, I wonder if we're ever going to... Because if... Um, I believe we're going to get an Inferno 2. I mean, it's been hinted at with the Sinister Secrets. And, you know, Madeline Pryor is coming back. So And they brought Nanny and um, Orphanmaker back. So it's like, I feel like when they do a second running of an event, they want to bring all the classics back to that same event. So what if they bring Wizkid back? If he's a mutant, he should be on Krakoa. Hopefully. <laughs> Speaking of Nanny and Orphan Maker, did you all see that kid who was part of like Nanny and Orphan Maker? He's like little like family thing that was walking around with a giant teddy bear. Yeah. Yeah. What was up with that? I don't know. I think it was a little <laughs> bit of. The, I think it was a little bit of the. If you know what I mean. Let's be honest. <sighs> There's so much. Go ahead. They were definitely having a lot of fun with this, um, with this run. I mean, with this whole event. I mean, I feel like they just kind of were like, "Well, we need to break. We need to bring Gene back, and then we need to do something with Madeline Pryor. So let's just go to town with it. Let's just have as much fun as we can. What can we do? Oh, bring demons. If we bring demons and magic, that means we can literally do do anything. So that's what they did. They literally did everything. Like, oh, we're gonna make. The X-Men turn demonic. We're going to make Havoc, like, uh, possess, you know, sex slave. We're going to do all this stuff, you know. 
We're going to do bring everything animated back to life. We're going to make the Empire State Building a demonic tower. <laughs> I think what I like, I don't usually like praise Claremont at all, but um, I think what I really liked is actually like Ileana becoming Dark Child. And I think that tied in so well with like the larger Inferno event that it didn't feel like it was coming out of left field. Because usually when you have like a B plot, and this was this event's B plot, let's be real. Usually when you have that B plot, it doesn't fit in very gracefully within like the linear timeline. But here you have it fit in in like this beautiful way. And um, I'm not even a huge fan of Ileana, but it's, it's a really good story. And I like seeing her um, choosing to, like, sacrifice herself or to save her. Like, the idea of saving yourself but losing everything around you is, like, something really interesting to see in her character. Because I didn't really know that about her. And because I'm not a huge fan of Ileana, I haven't read much about her. But, like, this makes her character a lot more interesting to me. The one thing I do really enjoy about this story was that... um it did really good of going deep into these characters' history. Like, going as far back as to talking about how Sinister knew about Cyclops ever since the freaking airplane crash. Like, dude, that that went back. And then the fact that, like, he already had plans and set in motion, and the fact that, like, Madeline Pryor said, oh, I played an influence in Cyclops and Storm's battle so that Storm would be the leader. And then and the whole stuff with Ileana going back to her childhood. Like, they did a lot of going back in this story and fixing stuff to make it just make so much sense. Like, I really enjoyed that. It's one of those stories that played the long game. I think another part I really liked in this book was Magneto standing up to the big demon Okay. Yeah, I was like, because Mac, I think at this point, because here's the thing, I'm going to be honest, I haven't, pre-90s, I have not read much X-Men, like I haven't read much X-Men from before the 90s era, and I know Magneto was their, te- was no means teacher at one point, and, but I think by this point he'd already gone back to being, you know, not like more of a villain and this was, but it was really nice to see him say, you know, I still, I still have respect for these people as characters. And he, he refers to Ileana as a student. And it was just, it was nice. Cause like Magneto, Magneto cares. Like Magneto may, you know, seem like hard and distant and cold, but Magneto truly does care about his, like his kids and I really would like to see more interaction between Magneto and the New Mutants. Because, I mean, he did teach them for, like, in modern era I'm talking about, he did teach them for quite a bit of time. Right. And so it would be nice in the modern era to get more interaction between them. Because I, I love seeing a softer side of Magneto. And it's like, he's a hard man, but, like, for reasons, for genuine reasons. But yeah, they, he stepped up to the plate when Xavier left the kids. He definitely took that leadership role, and he was a good leader for a while, or a professor for them, and, you know, went against everything that 
he had already been said to be like as a villain and he you know kind of redeemed himself as a professor for them so it was nice seeing that he still had those soft moments in this like dark event I think another thing the story does extremely well is keeping the kids involved because every story like in the modern era and I'm just going to call the modern era like anything from 2000 onward has the kids dying and this was like a fun way to include them and have them be superheroes and step up to the plate and like they're in harm's way but they're just following their mentor steps but you know they're not going to die but there's like the thrill of them getting hurt. And that's, like, really refreshing to see because it seems like every single story you read about ex-kids these days is that they're going to die or they're going to get, like, traumatized intensely. Here it was a lot more like, oh, they're having a fun romp and there's demons and stuff like that. And they might still get traumatized by it, but it's not going to be as intense as seeing a bus explode, you know? Uh, don't bring up that. Don't bring up the Academy X moment. I'd rather <laughs> not try today. But I did love how awesome and fun they made Boom Boom in this. She was a big part of, like, the energy and the funness of this whole thing. And I didn't know that they had Dazzler be such a badass before. Like, what happened to that? (laughs) Why isn't Dazzler like that anymore? I mean, I know she used to be, like, an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and everything, so she was still, like, pretty much a badass after, like, the 2000s. But I feel like in the last... Five or ten years, she's been very much in the background. And even in the more recent, like, two two years ago at this point, Astonishing X-Men, she was seen as much of, like, like a loser because she was, like, performing in, like, a bar for like, nobody. No one cared about Dazzler, the performer, anymore. They made fun of her powers, like, constantly. But in, well, the, in this Inferno event, she's praised, and she's, like, utilized a lot lot and i love seeing that it's pretty awesome i um i okay so dazzler i agree with that dazzler they don't use dazzler much but when they do they like they've used her for cool moments like we all hate humans versus x-men we can all agree that was a pretty terrible event but there is that moment where she basically one hits one hit ko's um uh black bolt yeah where he just lays into her (laughs) she's like do you realize I turned sound into power, right? And she just throws everything of his own power back in his face, and then Emma turns diamond and karate chops him in the throat, breaking his uh, windpipe. <laughs> and that was delicious. But then there's also the other part in Astonishing X-Men where she gets hit with, like, a whole bunch of sound, and she basically goes supernova and more or less incinerates a whole bunch of sentinels. Yeah. So... She doesn't, I agree, she does not do much very often, but when they pull her out, they tend to have cool moments with her. I think it's a lot more because you get, like, the bank pier issue. Like, there's a lot happening in every issue. Like, I would be able to read, like, a single issue of that and be like, huh, I'm satisfied, you know? Like, I don't need the entire arc to know what's going on, and I feel like that's kind of unique to these, like, to, like, this era, sort of. Where you don't need to read the next issue, but you want to. Right. And they do a really good job of incorporating everyone to have a story. Like, they all kind of had a little arc throughout. Like, you know, you had Longshot's little story of him doubting himself. You had um, 
Iceman's little story there too about him being able to like tap into his power. You, like everyone kind of had like a little arc within this, but like, even you know you had those religious moments with Rain and wanting to save the baby. And I don't know about you guys. Every time I heard Rain talk, I thought like, oh, the baby, you know, the baby. <laughs> Ray annoyed me honestly throughout <laughs> this whole. I I mean I don't know if I just don't like her character because I feel like every time I, I read her I find her extremely annoying. Um, but when she kept being like, no, we have to save Ileana. She would have wanted to be saved. She was wrong for not letting them in. I was like, shut up. <laughs> I'm like, no, like you're putting everyone in danger and like everyone is like stuck in limbo now because you decided to be crazy and jump through an unknown portal like what is wrong with you i mean i guess what she did in the end you know helped but still i just i was like you're so annoying please go away (laughs) that's the thing though when she jumps into like her her wolf form i think she's a lot more illogical and she's also mad young yeah and religious so sometimes religion makes you dumb. Yeah. <laughs> when you're like super duper religious, like when your life revolves around it, you know. There's um, there's this bit, and I sent it, and I showed it to you guys this morning. But the bit that like, where Jean and like Aurora confront each other after they're both come back to life, and she says, "The only me that ever was." The fact that, like, you can see that um, mentioned in, Ho- in, like, Hawks Pox is, like, really cool, like, mm-hmm. a really cool callback to this. And going further, as I was reading this, because I forgot Inferno had Nanny and Orphan Maker, and also um, multiple other, other characters who are specific... Cameron Hodge, yes. <laughs> um, uh, a lot of the characters that are in Helions are in Inferno. So it feels like Helion's on like some level is like a ode or is like a re- not I, I would say ode to like um, Inferno and bring back the spirit of like the craziness of that because Inferno right. was like batshit crazy you know like as just like a storyline where you, everything could go wrong and the stakes were so high and you had no idea what was going on and it was fun and I feel like it, Helion's taking the characters that were mentioned in this book and bringing them back because like bringing those characters back is like trying to farm all that like energy from those characters and all that chaoticness. And I'm pretty sure like, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Madeline, like we talked about this last time, but I wouldn't be surprised if Madeline ends up joining that team because it's such like an ode or like a love note to Inferno. Because that's what I kept getting while I was rereading in Traverno this time. I don't I don't know. Um, maybe she'll eventually maybe join the team. But I feel like another Inferno 2.0 is going to happen. Especially, like, it makes me think that because Havoc is especially a part of this new Hellions team. And like you said, they're all bringing back all new characters. I mean, all the characters basically from the Inferno event. And at the end of Hellions, the, the little splash page with Madeline and prior we see people hanging you know tortured and bleeding and all that and i feel like she's using probably like sacrificing our blood magic to 
maybe start another Inferno. Like, I feel like that's what Hellions is going to lead into. Like, it might not be a whole big event. It might just be contained in, in Hellions. So I would I would like it if it was broadened. Like, maybe this would be the December event they're talking about. But I feel like if, it would, I feel like the December event is being hyped up too much that it's too big to be just Inferno. So, but if this is contained in Hellions, that'd be cool. But I feel like we're going to get a second Inferno and Havoc brainwashed again and, like, love infatuated by Madeline Pryor. And I hope that we get Cyclops and Jean like face to face with Madeline because I feel like they need to we need to have another conver- they need to have another conversation with each other and especially the fact that Jean and Cyclops are working with Sinister like everyone's working with Sinister but I feel like Madeline's gonna have like even a bigger problem with that because Sinister made her and manipulated her and you know made her basically have a child with Cyclops and destroyed the life that he made for her like it's it's such a weird thing probably for her especially to see sinister with all these people that he tried to destroy so many times especially her i think like moving forward i think madeline is like one of those characters who gets shafted a lot um i would love to see her like her entire character arc is like jean gray took everything from me and to a very like she's right in that sense that Jean Grey did take everything from her because she was the one who burst like um, Cable essentially and she was in love with Scott and then Jean came back and she took that all away from her and like her entire character hinges on revenge on Jean Grey so I would love to see her if she comes back when she comes back um, to go away from that and like come into something of her own you know, like she doesn't have to be just the clone of Jean Grey. You know, I'd love right. to see her do something more. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to see her come in contact with Apocalypse, maybe, and his whole mutant magic thing. Oh yeah. Because I mean, she's literally doing magic by sacrificing mutants, and. It'd be interesting to see Apocalypse's take on it, because Apocalypse wasn't around at the time, so Apocalypse is going to have zero connection to her. And he's like, he's like, who are you? Like, we have, we already have a redheaded weirdo over there. We don't need any more. And I could see just, I could see Apocalypse straight up, like, just like snap, like, and not even care about it. Everybody's like, what did you do? I'm like, he's like, oh, look at her. She's look at her look at her outfit that screams evil. <laughs> I could see her him taking advantage of her and like using him her to his advantage because he's all about I mean you know him and Sinister and all the like other top dog um, villains have a sinister plan like yes they want to be with Krakoa and all the mutants but like you know Apocalypse is doing something so he can be in charge especially with the magic. So if he can get Madeline Pryor to help him succeed in that even more, then I think he will. Especially if she, after they find her and they have been a battle or whatever and get her on the Hellion side again, then I feel like he's going to be like, hey, you like magic? You should come over here. I can show you some things. And then he gets her on her plan and manipulates her. Just like Sinister manipulated her. I, I hope that they don't just use her to be manipulated again. <laughs> 
Because that would kind of suck for her. <laughs> I feel like that's her whole I life. I think she's going to be the manipulator. You think so? On. I think she will be the manipulator. I don't know. I think she does. She still has a connection with Havoc. And Havoc is still broken. Um, I really like the fact that like reading this event um, and looking at the new Halians team, I was like, oh shit, this book has a lot of like connection to Inferno so much. Like, the only character that has no connection to Inferno is Wild Child. But even then, you know, he's basically Sabretooth Jr. So Wait. I was like, man, this, this is really cool. Wait, no, he wasn't. He wasn't Inferno. He was one of Sinister's Marauder of Marauders at the time. Was he? I thought that was Sabretooth. Was that Saber? No, I'm pretty sure. It Hold was on. Sabretooth. That was Sabretooth. Yeah, because he looks like Wild Child. Yeah, because they someone I forget who he attacks, but somebody says Sabretooth to him. It's Wolverine. Him and Wolverine have a fight. Okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. My bad. It looked so much like I, I don't it know. It does. It's because okay. of the crazy hair, and he looks skinnier. They made him smaller and skinnier than he usually is. Okay. Well, he's he's changed form so many times. Like he's like beasts, kind of, kind of. His mutation goes back and forth. <laughs> I mean, okay. So I was actually just thinking about it. What if and what if all the different mutants who learned magic started like almost a coven of sorts? Like you have Apocalypse leading it, and then you got like magic. Um, Exodus, since Exodus is somehow involved in um, uh, Apocalypse Plant, maybe add Selene, because Selene also uses magic sometimes. Um, Selene, uh, Madeline, and I think that'll be really cool. Like, it's almost like a counterbalance to Nightcrawler's religion. I think that would be, like, like you, because there's... Because there's always the magic religion type of rivalry of sorts, and it'd be nice to see that kind of sort of counter counter issues on Krakoa. Like, listen, if the, Apocalypse is doing magic, he's not violating OSHA procedures, so it should be <laughs> fine, you know, because he keeps violating them. He's not wearing gloves ever when he's <laughs> doing science. You gotta wear gloves. <laughs> you don't need to wear about diseases and everything where you're dealing with magic. <laughs> magic automatically kills you. I mean, look at Doctor Strange. He don't do nothing. He just now start. I mean, he don't contract anything. He's just True. now starting to wear gloves and everything because he's being a surgeon again. But before that, man, he messed up all kinds of stuff and didn't catch anything. But my my thing to interject into your uh, um, mutant coven, which I would love to see. I hope we after like. I don't know, Excalibur and everything else meets its end and we get new titles at some point. I would love to have a mutant Cohen Coven. My question would be, do y'all think Ileana Magic, do y'all think she would want to be a part of it? I don't know, because I don't. I know she doesn't like Apocalypse. I mean, she doesn't really like anybody, but she definitely loves her core X-Men. But I don't think her and Apocalypse would get along. And I don't think her and Madeline would get along either. Any, I, I don't think, think any of her and the villains would get along. <laughs> so I don't think any of them would get along per se, but I think they could put their differences aside to learn more about what mutant magic is. Like, and like I would love it because like Pixie could be like the junior member, could be like the youngest. Pixie's like, oh, what's happening? And I could see her. I I don't know. I just. 
the idea of them all just sitting around and like breaking bread about you know what does this mean for us as you know a group and okay question is madeline technically a mutant is she yeah man yes so mutant but her powers never like manifested from my understanding cool 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 so well, no, she's... technically they man- they manifested when the phoenix, the little drop of phoenix, got into her and awoke her. They weren't as manifested as genes, but they manifested a little bit. Oh. So because like you she's... do have mutants that like only show their um, mutations later in life, like Christian. He only mm-hmm. got his when he was like thirty, so it's fine if like she's a late bloomer, you know. Yeah. Well, she got blood magic now, so she got some kind of power. Yeah, she. I mean, like, um, she basically infuses her her mutant ability with magic, because she does her telekinesis with like the magic rays, and then she's telepathic, like Jean in everybody's mind and manipulating them and controlling them, just like she did with Havoc and Longshot and Dazzler. I don't think I don't think she's I don't think she's telekinetic. I just think she's a telepath. No, she's telekinetic. I read her bio. <laughs> I read all her 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 bio, bio her, her long her wiki, her wiki uh, last night, and she's been actually people have attempted to bring her back several times apparently, and they keep failing at it. <laughs> but actually, I wanted to look up the store before we did this, but I didn't get a chance to. Um, apparently, Lady Deathstrike and um, oh, said as Guardian Sorceress Enchantress. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Lady District and Enchantress and like some other uh, villainous woman actually brought Madeline Pryor back like a few years ago, and that's how she's back now. I don't know if they're gonna say that's how she's back now, but that was the last time. That's actually how she became back, and then we haven't seen her technically since then. No, we have X Men Blue. Which well, X Men yeah. when when I read X Men Blue, it's I tried to read X Men Blue again, like that little part last night. It reads very much like a fever dream, more than Inferno does. Um, <laughs> and I forgot how mm, weird it is, to, to say the least, um, in a different way. But I don't know if that's like our, the Madeline Pryor that was in Inferno. I, I think that was just like, she was also trying to get all these kind of different Madeline Pryors too. Or maybe it was just like a different manifestation because she looked really different too, and she looked more demonic. And I don't know, but the one thing I did like with that excellent blue Madeline Pryor is that um, when she took control of the past beast because he, you know, sacrificed his soul for magic, when she brought different versions of the different X Men like Pixie and Colossus and Nightcrawler and um, Bloodstorm, those are really cool. So if they did that again and um and did it like better instead of X-Men Blue <laughs> in Hellions, I feel like that'd be really cool. Like, maybe if she instead of, like, like, bringing people from different dimensions, if she takes over Havoc, maybe she transforms him into, like, a demonic Havoc. I feel like that'd be kind of awesome to see. It, it would also... I think it's gonna be fun Hellions moving forward, seeing uh, Psylocke Quan, very analytical, very very worldly and world based see her have to deal and very cold and clinic see her have to deal with demons and things and like stuff that does not make sense 
to the normal human mind. Like, I mean, we saw her deal with the whatever the heck that was in Fallen Angels, which I'm, I'm still confused on. Please, Brian Edward, yeah. please come on the podcast so you can explain that to us. But <laughs> I'm, I want to see her deal with stuff that's not human brain should not be able to comprehend and it'll be even weirder for her because she can read minds yeah so it's going to be interesting to see how quantum reacts to this i actually um one thing i want to point out and i don't know if they did uh, this is probably an accident i don't think they're trying to make this connection but when i was reading madeline Pryor's past um i forget who was trying to bring her back the first time back in I think the 90s but they uh, used Revenge's Revenge 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 um, which is Kawana's body um, to, to put Betsy in her body to transfer someone psychically into another body and they were, were testing that out for Madeline Pryor so that's the reason why um, Betsy's in Revenge's body or well was in her body that's the whole so I don't know if they're going to make that connection with the new Psylocke with her old body back or not. I'm sure that was, was just a coincidence why Psylocke is on his team. But if they made that old connection like Hickman likes to do, that'd be kind of cool. That's pretty mm-hmm. old and not really known connection with her and Madeline Pryor. Even though it wasn't her that did it, but it was, they did it because of her. Okay, we've talked a lot about, like, what we like about this. I feel like we can talk about what we don't like about Inferno. And what I don't like about Inferno is that, like, it felt like some parts really just dragged for a while. Like, you'd be sitting there and it would just be, like, interpersonal drama. Which is fine if I'm watching a soap opera, you know? But you had to find, like... Because, like, here's the thing. Like, I love um, Siemenson. I think her writing is amazing. And I love it. But sometimes she really likes to drag on, like, the personal drama to create, like, these really dramatic stories. And you could see, like, a couple of issues where you were like, oh, my God. Like, I get it. They're going to, like, hook up later. But this is not the vibe. <laughs> we need to be doing something else right now. You know? Like, do you guys get me on that? No, I get you. I um, I personally liked the... Like, the New Mutants and X-Men tie-in like issues more than the X-Factor and Externals only because X-Factor when it comes to X-Factor I really okay I'm going to say this and everybody can take this however they want I'm not that big of a fan of the original five (laughs) X-Men I really like the apocalypse like the angel dealing with Hodge parts like that that I enjoyed and I liked seeing the weirdness of Nanny and orphan maker but everything else i was kind of annoyed by and the externals i i just didn't they it tried too hard to be like wacky teenagers and it just kind i felt it kind of got out of hand and like i'm all for trying to write teenagers as teenagers not just mini adults, but I felt like this got super out of hand at some points. I was just saying, okay, when I forgot, I think one of the ex, one of the externals, I think it was Skids, called 
Amara, oh, that blonde bimbo. I'm like, okay, I think we're done here. And it was just, it was a lot. It, 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 it was, it was doing a lot. I just, and I like Louise Simonson's writing. I just, I had a hard time caring about those issues more. Also, I think the art on the X-Men and the New Mutants tie-ins were just a lot better. I would agree that just the, like I said before, the middle of the event, which it kind of dragged on. I feel like they were like, oh, we're going to do this in the beginning. We're going to do this at the end. And the writers in the middle, they can just throw some dialogue in there and kind of give the story along. Let's throw some interpersonal, you know, happenings in there. Let's give some drama. Let's try to, you know, be a little funny with the demonology. And let's just try to get to the end. And that's kind of how, that's how I was, it took me almost a whole week to really get through it because that middle just dragged on for me. I don't know about y'all, but it dragged on. <laughs> I think it was like the issue, like, cause like it starts off in like this really middle part of like X factor, like with Hodge becoming an uh, Hodge, um, Warren becoming Archangel. And then you have to wait. And that's like sets up the rest of, everything but then between that part of x factor and the start of inferno there's like six issues of like just stuff they have to do to get there you know it's just like setup and a lot yeah. of this interpersonal setup so we can have like the tension and the drama with like madeline Pryor. and the thing is is that like i do enjoy i did enjoy the fact that like Jean and Madeline try to like understand each other and Madeline refuses to you know and then the fact that she tells Jean that she's not above her for trying to um for trying to like level out the playing field because like Jean has had everything that Madeline couldn't have so it's never going to be equal and I think that's just like such an such a powerful scene and I love it so much but like the fact that you had to sit through to like eight pages of first not eight pages like eight issues of like personal drama kind of takes you out of it so i have to read this in bits you know it's definitely it's not definitely not like an event you're gonna read in one sitting oh god no no i mean you'd fall asleep i was falling asleep i had to like put on some other tv shows or just get up and walk around for a second i just had to get my eyes and break because i just couldn't look at the needless drama anymore but i did like to before i forget this thought in my head i did like the um the gene and madeline towards the end you know fighting each other on the empire state building like having an interpersonal like telepathic dialogue with each other i like that at a point when gene is trying to persuade her and be like hey you can be good we can be good you're you can be like us and she's just like no i want to be evil like i just i don't like any of you I want to destroy all of you, and I'll even just try to destroy myself to destroy all of you. I don't care anymore. Like, I just hate all of you. And I like that. I like someone being pushed to their brink and just losing it, and sometimes, you know, saying, I just want to be evil, just be evil at this point. Like, y'all did this to me. I was done wrong. I don't, yeah, I could try to probably be good, try to get over it, but I don't want to. I want to destroy everything. <laughs> and I feel like it's good to have those villains like that sometimes. They don't always have to have, like, a redemption arc or something like that they can they've been wrong they want to be evil they they chose to be evil they're going to be evil they, they don't have to try to be like have a piece of humanity in them 
I just didn't care about demon drama. <laughs> that got me too, though. I was like, I don't care about your techno organic virus. Yeah, I thought I that was, was like, weird. Okay, cool, whatever. It, it was a cool drawing, though. Like, I really liked the big red techno organic demon. I thought that was it was neat looking, but I can kind of get where you're coming from. We're not caring about it. I was like, okay, I felt like that was just like the initial like launching point, and then it just became kind of like tedious to keep going along with it because it didn't really seem to go anywhere. <clears throat> and then I was like, if we're gonna bring demons into this, I want fucking demons. Like, give me real demon drama. Where's Velasco? Where's the Fisto, bring me demons. Don't give me these little peon people. Like, I don't care about these little two dudes. I was like, you're nobody's. Go away. Yeah, and the end guy, I don't know how to say his whole name, so I'm just going to call him the end guy. Um, he kept saying, like, after he got the technological virus, he kept bringing it up. I'm like, yeah, we know you have it. We know you, you can read all the magic now because of it. Like, we don't need to keep being reminded in every scene or panel that he's in that he has it. Like, I feel like they did that every single panel until they destroyed them. And I was like, every time I read it, I was like, okay, I know. I feel like everybody knows at this point. Why do you keep saying it? Um, just... I don't know if you've read that era of, like, New Mutants. But, like, they would remind you every other issue that Sam is not invulnerable when blasting. Oh, my so God, it's like, yes. So it's like, I think it's just an issue of the writer rather than, like, you know... A fault right. of the book itself. Oh, yeah, no, I know it's the writer. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing is when they introduce the Marauders in, into the story, and they all are, are talking to each other, but they're like, hey, name, what are you talking about? Hey, you name, what are you talking about? I was like, oh my god. No one talks about really? <laughs> you're, you're just going to put everyone's name in every other conversation? I was like, if we don't know who you are, Oh, they could just put a little name tag right under you. Well, I feel like that's what they do now in books. Yeah. I feel like they learn. They're like, hey, we don't need to put if you're talk if Storm is like talking to Dazzler or Psylocke is uh, talking to um, Colossus. We don't need to. They don't need to say each other's name in each panel. They're like, hey, Storm, do this. Okay, Dazzler. It's like no one talks like that. You don't need to do that. They really realize that. Yeah, that part was dumb. One thing I'm interested about, because how I read this event is I went and bought an old trade of, like, the entire Inferno crossover, just so I can get, like, what would what would be, like, the official Marvel, like, main story of it be. And it's weird, because there's two different trades. There's the, there's the main, main story, and then there's, like, the crossover ones, which include... Cloak and Dagger, Spy Spectacular Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Avengers, and Daredevil, and Power Pack. Oh, and yeah, that's it. But it's weird. There was a one-issue Excalibur tie-in, which I'm honestly surprised Excalibur, Excalibur was a team running at that time. I'm surprised they were not involved more in this story. Right. That's because like they're more magic-based than either of X-Factor or New Mutants or, I mean, even the main X-Men team. They're more magic-based. It, it, it's yeah. weird. It, it's weird. <laughs> but, um, is anybody gonna go read the tie-ins? Like, the, um... No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I 
The Daredevil. Like, that, let's say the Daredevil one might be interesting because they did say, hey, you're in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, I caught that. Yeah. Because like he's he, he a very religious person, it's gonna be interesting to see him his reaction to all this go down. And I'm I'm going to read the Excalibur one only because like they're Excalibur and they're cool. Um, and maybe the Cloak and Dagger because Cloak and Dagger have some connection to Miss Miss um, But I don't really care about Fantastic Four Avengers in their connection. Right. To this. And and I'm really and I'm pretty sure Louis Simonson was re- writing Power Pack at the time. And yeah, I was wondering how they tied into all this. Well, I mean, they, I mean, they're kids with powers, and so I'm so guessing the demons might try to go after that. Into, oh, that's true. I'm about to say, were they tied more into Manny and Orphan Maker? But yeah, when you say that, the kids with powers. Yeah. yeah. And I'm pretty sure, and they had to deal with the what's it called? The um, they were involved. They had to tie into Mutant Massacre that event, and so. I maybe they have some good connection to the Marauders, but other than that, there wasn't really. I don't get why they really tied into this. But like, yeah, I I'm kind of interested to read some of the tie-ins. I'm not gonna read all of them, but I'm gonna read some of them. And it's yeah, weird. This... Go ahead. It's weird in the in the collected volume of. The what's it called of the Inferno crossovers? There, I remember in the reading list I think we shared in group chat, there was a damage control. Um, there was a damage control tie-in, but the damage control tie-in is not included in the crossover collection, which is very weird to me. Okay, pause for five seconds. Um. Did anybody notice how the Blues Brothers showed up at the end of the... The Blues Brothers showed up at the end. Those yeah. two... Yeah, what was that about? Wait, what? Where? Oh, I think it's because we read, like, the trade back. There's, like, this issue at the end where it's um, essentially the Blues Brothers showing up and they're like, Hey, demons just infested New York. How do we cover this up? We gotta call X-Factor. And there's this scene where, like, X-Factor is sitting around a table, and they're like, so what do we tell them? Do we just tell them it was, like, a mass hallucination? It's oh, a really fun oh, scene. Yeah, I didn't see none of that. Yeah, I was about to say, I was like, we did not get yeah, any of that. Any of the issues on what the What issue? Let me go. Because <laughs> I was like, what are the Blues Brothers doing here? I was very confused. It was very, It took me very much out of the book. I was like... Am I? Because it was late at night when I was reading it. I'm like, am I? Am I tired? Is this? Is this ex- exhausting? Mania? It was very right. confused. But yeah, maybe. Yeah, because this this trade that I'm reading is all the way back from 2011. So I don't know when the. Let me go to the very end. It's because the main Inferno story is 20 issues, and then we tie in the the outside issues it's 60 all of a sudden i'm like there's 40 extra issues and on unlimited it starts with cloak and dagger instead of starting with the exterminators so that's what was interesting how like you guys got a different version than what we got well i mean it depends on what you like what you see as official and i think that's like the 
fun part about comics, I guess, that you can argue where a story should have started. Right. Fair Cause point. Because, like, like, you can argue that, like, you probably didn't need that entire part with the right and Nanny and Orphan Maker at the beginning of the trade, because that's what um, Fox and I read. And that, like, part of the beginning, you could have just easily maybe removed and started off, like, a little bit closer to um, Bobby and Hank dropping off the kids at, like, at school, you know? You could have started, like, in a tighter, more, like, in a tighter manner. But also, I feel like having those couple of first issues really sets up the ambiance. Like, this is a story to, like enjoyed over a course of a while this is not a story you're gonna read again in like an hour an hour and a half it's like a novel you want to like come back and forth get a glass of wine um (laughs) maybe like consider your life choices halfway through because some of the like i i do enjoy it for a while i think it's one of the better events that happened in the 90s because there are a lot of events that happen and this is definitely like my shining like star Oh, I definitely did enjoy it. It made me actually reading this event made me want to keep going in like um, the X Men and X Factor and New Mutants books because I was like, well, how does Ileana come back from the dead? And what else is happening with Havoc and the other X Men? And what happens to Jean later? And blah blah. blah. It's like I was like, I want to keep reading what happens, but I'm like, that's a lot of stuff to go down a rabbit hole with so i need to stop <laughs> so i'm still trying to finish the grant morrison run of new x-men like I'm, I'm still currently reading that i'm almost done and i'm trying not to go down any more wormholes at the moment <laughs> okay so the thing with the blues brothers that's uh, they're not technically the blues brothers but they look very much like those characters and it's it's like a backup story in X-Men 40. And they look like, I think they're just supposed to be FBI government agents. But they're the Blues Brothers. Like, it's, it's very much what they're supposed to look like. It's very weird. And I know. <laughs> it's just, there's, it's very weird. And, like, if it, they convinced uh, J. Jonah Jameson that was caused by a hypno-ray. Oh, and then it ends. It ends with a guy reading the paper, and he like he th- throws it away. Then he's like, and then like a demon finds the paper. He's like a hallucination. That's hilarious. It's <laughs> this is so weird. It's it's. Uh, Why end it with such a yuck yuck moment? Yeah, I'll. I'll send this to the the images into the chat to you guys after this, but it's it's very it's very very weird, man. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. This is there's a lot going on in this event. It's doing a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite the... like oh sorry, you can gonna... go first. Mine doesn't <laughs> isn't gonna... as like impactful. <laughs> I was just gonna say speaking on the weird of this event the way they destroyed all the big bad guys is really weird to me especially the last big techno virus demon when they just kind of like shot him and melted him and then he exploded i thought that was really in, like kind of random of how they defeated him because i was thinking like what are they gonna do what magic is gonna 
bring to like destroy him like magic in general i know it was the 80s so they were just gonna be like, like let's just you know shoot him with like power and he'll dissipate the way they killed sinister yeah the way they killed sinister was kind of off too like none of the other mutants powers dented sinister but as soon as havoc supercharged cyclops sinister just you know dissolved away i'm like okay that seems about right not really, but it's the 80s, so I guess. <laughs> I think this is just because I've read, like, way too many of these events, and they're kind of my favorite, so I have them in trade, so I reread them a lot. But a lot of the a lot of the stories, um, they hinge on the concept of how brotherly Alex and Cyclops are. So if they haven't teamed up yet, the story doesn't end. And I'm pretty sure Extermination Agenda ends in the exact same way, where, like, nobody can defeat Cameron Hodge, but then Havoc and, like, Cyclops beat up, uh, Matt, like, they team up together and they kill him. So it's, like, I think it was just, like, a thing that, like, we couldn't have, we couldn't resolve the story without having, um, having Havoc come back to the good side yet. So brotherly love saves the day. Yes, I think that was, like, the <laughs> entire concept for, like, all the events. Honestly, that's probably what they set up in Hellions, too. That's probably why Cyclops was all like, I'm going to destroy all of the Quiet Council if you try to condemn my brother. Because I was like, that's, that's, I'm like, you're going to destroy even Gene? I know, I'm like, were you just condemning your brother, like, I don't know, <laughs> before, like, before Dawn of X? Weren't you just like, he's horrible, he's a mistake, like, he's a screw up. To be fair, if my brother was being written by Remainder, I would also <laughs> disown him. I'd be like, I'm not related to him, you know? Yeah, I I never read, I haven't read that run, but I did read that one panel that's been traveling all over the internet. Even um, Fox posted it too of Havoc's whole speech with the Avengers and him saying like, "Don't call me mutant. Being mutant is being labeled mutant is bad." I just want to be like everybody else. Like, the, we're all human. Call me, um, what's his name? Call me Alex. <laughs> Call me Alex. He's <laughs> so bland, even his name I is Alex. It's, it's funny. <laughs> I, it's funny, that panel, everybody hates on that panel. Like, everybody says, oh, it's the worst panel ever. It's It doesn't make any sense. It's really stupid for a mutant to say. And it's crazy, because Dawn of X is the complete antithesis to that panel is oh, yeah. doing everything that's the exact opposite of what everything everybody hated about that speech and everybody also hates on Don I'm like, you guys really just won't refuse to be happy. Oh, no. It's, I, no. Happy. <laughs> I, um, I mean, like, here's the thing. Like, I, I dislike a lot of things that I'm really open about my dislike, but I'm not unhappy with the current line. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of my issues hang a lot, hang like on the sides of like we're in 2020 and we're still doing some of the racist shit we're doing. Like you know that was like a lot of my my annoyances with like the modern books, and I do have like some criticisms from like storytelling, blah blah blah. But I do enjoy them. Like I and I think you can't have the opinion of not liking Don of X and like not liking Hawks Pox, but like. There are some people that take it to like a very new extreme where they're like, nothing makes them happy, and you're just there like, 
that's on you, the then. Terrorists. Cult. <laughs> them, the, the, them still calling it a cult and is just it's it's very weird because like the writers can explain how it's not a cult. The the fans can say, yeah, this it's not it's not a cult. This is you know how it's it's just a new stage. It's it's evolution. It's changes exactly where the mutant should have gone and still called a cult and i'm like how how can you not take this like there's literal interviews there's multiple different interviews whether it be hickman teeny howard zadarsky and and it's like it's it's and they still don't get it like the it's just it's wild i feel like I feel like people. I was talking to another friend. She helps. She's she's a part of X Men Twitter, and she helps run a comic shop. And she was. I was talking to her. I'm like, I feel like people are so they they're so ingrained in them, like the X Men being reactionary instead of proactive. And they're so dialed in with like X Men being like, okay, mutants. They wait to be attacked. Then they go deal with the issue. Yeah, and that's what and, we were used to. And I think that's what's throwing some people off that the X Men are actively going to change things. They're not just yeah. sitting around and hoping things get better. There's my not... my whole thing with that is like a lot of people have the mentality of he who shall not be named of like oh I just want them to fight. Why can't they just be fighting something? Why do they have to be, like, the bad guys? Why do they have to be attacking humans? Humans aren't the problem. And I'm like, are you, have you ever read an X book? I'm like, humans are literally the problem. Humans cause 16 million of them to die. Like, <laughs> like humans are literally the problem. So that's why they perform this. And that's why they're all coming together. Even the good guys are coming together with the villains. They're putting back their their grudges and their villainous plans supposedly um, to come together to try to form a, a better society to actually survive. I think I like what I also love about like Dawn of X at the very least, it kind of takes us out of this very grim dark era and it takes us back to like these events that are like, cause like the entire resurrection scenes in Hoxpox and the entirety of like these intense high action events, they still have this like sort of whimsical, like I'm reading a comic book and I'm having fun feel about them. And that's the same with Inferno and a lot of these older events. And I think that's very beautiful. I think it, I think the more, the more recent comics, as much as I can like complain about them for days on end. Because I like to nitpick, I do deeply enjoy them, and they are, and they just, they just have this aura. They have this nostalgia of like a good story, and like fun and whimsy, and it's really beautiful to read. And some people don't want that. Some people want like the grim, dark stories of the 2000s, and I feel like as a culture, we're past that as a story. As we can tell more than just stories about violence and blood and torture, we can tell right. more complex and more beautiful stories. 
And this era is taking us back to like the golden era of like X-Men, where we had these complex stories, even with when they got like really wild and really crazy, they still were a lot of fun. That, yeah, exactly. There was like, for example, the issue two of X-Men Horde culture that feels very much like a golden age X-Men villain. Oh, look at this group of old ladies. They really like plants and they want plants to take over the world. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that it's, it's funny to me because like, I'm like, when people are t- complaining about, oh, the classic X-Men, I was like, Hickman is kind of on the same par with Claremont where they do the long form narrative and do deep dives within the character's history to move the plot along and I'm like this is exactly what you used to praise but you don't like it now because they can die and it doesn't matter well that's the only thing they really focus on I don't think a lot of them unfortunately a lot of people not a lot of people the people that are complaining um, it's not a lot of them that complain honestly because if we ever noticed the Dawn of X books are doing fantastically in sales yeah exactly so the, the it's not the majority that dislike it. It's the minority. And the minority that complain about it, I don't think they actually read it. I think they read, like, little summaries of it, a little, like, um, articles about it, and then they focus on one thing in a, in a summary article. And they're like, oh, well, I'm glad I'm not reading this because this is dumb. It's like, well, it's dumb because you're seeing one part of the idea and you're not seeing the whole grand scheme of things. Like, you're not seeing how that idea actually makes sense and is actually working well in all these different stories. So, of course, you're going to be like, like, if you think an idea is already dumb and it hasn't been explained or, like, um, fleshed out for you, then you're not going to get anywhere. You're going to be in the same mindset over and over. But you think they would at least try to read outside their comfort zone or maybe like i mean yeah i mean for them for anyone i mean honestly it for anybody in the world it probably is easier just to hate something instead of trying to learn something but that's part of being like a mature adult (laughs) is to get outside of yourself and put yourself in somebody else's shoes and try to learn and grow you're giving readers too much credit (laughs) <laughs> I mean like and I think that's the nice thing about Inferno is that like it has some nice bits of foreshadowing and it has some nice bits of like I don't know it just like it feels like the reader isn't being spoon fed unless it's like the characters names and what they can do you right. know like that's the only because like I feel like it was this was a time before they had like the um, what was they called? Before they had, like, the title pages with every single character and their name on it. This was, like, before that era. And they were. this was, like, the most convenient way they could introduce all the characters, you know? True. Yeah. So, like, you just had to spoon... So, like, if you... This is the first issue you picked up. You had to know what the powers were. And, like, that was, like, the general model for comics back then. So, like, that's, like, the only complaint you'd have with an 80s comic spoon-feeding you versus there was the really weird era in the 2000s where you had um, everyone spoon-feeding you their metaphor, and you had to be there and be like, I get it. Please stop hitting me over the head with it. I really get it. Please stop. You know? Right. So true. And you know what? Those These old books were freaking progressive because, let's face it, 
all the badasses in that book were the women. Yeah. And Inferno, it's very, like, female empowerment because, like, you have Madeline and Jean, then you have Psylocke doing everything else, and you have Dazzler being awesome, you have Storm trying to bring them down, and then you have Ileana doing her storyline. Well, and you have Rogue, like, defending everybody. And then Malice, I'm like, man, even Malice said that. She goes, she didn't, he didn't want you. He knew a woman was better. But I like the scene where, like, Rogue, they made Rogue, like, basically indestructible in this, in the 80s. Like, she was good, like, the metal hitting her body wasn't affecting her. She was, like, like, dodge, like almost taking bullets. Like, well, she said that she would, she would phase into her Carol Danvers form. Yeah. I like so weird. Yeah, that was weird that, that um, when her and Psylocke were battling, and then, like, Psylocke made the rogue go dormant and Carol Danvers came out. I was like, whoa, I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> that really kind of spooked me. I was like, oh, this is kind of creepy. <laughs> so, Inferno, Inferno actually kind of reminded me the way the storytelling worked of my first X-Men event, Second Coming, where even though the books were different writers and different casts they all still really like flowed into each other and so i i'm like oh so they've been doing this type of storyline forever in the x-men events makes sense um but yeah i i mean i can i might you know i might go back and read some other classic x-men events maybe we'll see what happens the next one after this one's really good what is it extinction agenda Mm. I love Extension Agenda. Yeah. Not everyone has it, so I can't tell about it, but it's like Extension Agenda, Extermination Song, Inferno, top three events, um, <laughs> preceded only by, I, I don't really have any other favorite events, but um, if I had to like pick one from the modern era, I guess it would have to be Age of X-Men, and that's only because like we got some really funky designs out of that one. Right. No, I, I am... d- definitely like the uh, the events that they had for the X-Men early on, like around this era, they had like a lot of storytelling and development for the characters in this. And like the villains, like you felt that there was like actual weight to like what, what's happening. Like, man, this could really change things kind of feel to it. I might be in the minority in this, but I really, even though you know, I'm just going to say it. I really like the Avengers versus X Men event. Ooh. <laughs> I know. Just fan. <laughs> I like it because it really shows how the Avengers have never really been never been there for the X Men. And the X Men, like even when they go a little bit crazy with the Phoenix Force, like the Phoenix Five, they make the world better. But then it gets thwarted um, by the Avengers again. Like the Avengers are kind of like, um, I feel like the martyrs of the world. They they create a lot of the mess, but then they clean it up. But then they're like, oh, it's messy. The world is messy again, even though we just cleaned it up. But then they go and create, you know, other problems like Ultron and all these other people that like always constantly destroy the Earth because of them. And the same thing for X-Men. If they just worked with the X-Men, they just worked together and created like a unity. They could make the world so much better. But 
you know, they try to stick their nose where it doesn't need to be, or they try to fight the problem always without talking, and, you know, X-Men versus Avengers happens. So that's like, I kind of like, that's why I kind of like that event, also because of, like, the really cool battle scenes we get, like, it, it was no a very how you feel pretty about, artwork. Oh, yeah, like, it, like that's uh, one of the reasons why I like it, too, if I just want to, like, not think too hard and <laughs> just read a book that's kind of beautiful and really actiony. I go to X-Men versus Avengers. House of M. <laughs> that that's fair. I um there was one tie in to Avengers vs. X Men that I really liked. It was the um it was an issue of I believe New Avengers where it was basically the Illuminati. There was an Illuminati meeting and and so they all got together and uh Iron Man shows up, Iron Man's talking, he's like Doctor Strange and uh Reed Richards is already there, and like they, they acknowledge each other. Reed, uh, Reed is like Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange is like Doctor Richards. And Tony's like, I have like eight doctorates, but you don't see me going around asking to be called <laughs> Doctor. And he's like, and Reed's like, Do you want me to call you Doctor Stark? He's like, Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's great. And then it's like, uh, Xavier walks in and Xavier's like, ah, oh, this is like a big mess. And Tony's like, you really screwed up your students. You realize that, right? He's like, yeah. And then Xavier flips out. Xavier's like, do you think I wanted any of this? He's like, do you think if I couldn't turn this off, I would? And he's like, all of you men with all your sins, and you think you can judge me? And just storms out. And then, <laughs> and then, Steve's like, you really got to chill out, Tony. Like, that was not, that was not cool. And then everybody's like, and then Reed's, then they ask, like, hey, Reed, because the Fantastic Four had, like, zero to do with at all with Avengers versus X-Men. They're like, hey, Reed, um, what are you up to in all of this? He's like, I'm just watching. He's like, he's like, I kind of, I mean, is it wrong to say that they're making the world a better place, technically? He's, He's like, he's like, I remember, he's like, I mean, the insulin was discovered on accident because he, when he was talking yeah. about how, like, Tony split the phoenix into five parts, yeah. and he's like, the you know, he, you know, helping fight diabetes was discovered on accident. So he's like, could this possibly be something better? And so they all can't really agree on something. And so it ends with just Steve and Tony sitting in the room and Tony's like, he's not going to come. He's like, you realize that, right? And Steve's like, I, I'm going to wait. He's like, I don't care. And so Tony's like, whatever, I'll see you back at base, man. And he leaves. And then Steve's just sitting there. And in the reflection of his shield that's sitting on the table, all of a sudden Namor appears. And because like Namor was an Illuminati member, but he's also a Phoenix at the time. And Steve's like, hey, he's like, do you think you can knock it off, maybe? And Namor's like, we're making the world a better place. You you gotta chill, man. And so, and it's like, they kind of have like a bro moment where they're like, who would have thought, you know, we'd be nostalgic for all those days of war? And then Namor, he's like, he's like, I have to thank you for not, for this not being a trap. And Steve's like, I wouldn't do that to you. I have too much respect for you. And then Namor leaves. 
and then Steve's just left alone with his shield. I'm like, it was such, that was a that was a good moment. And when Bendis isn't trying to write like crazy massive events, and when he when he can just write small like personal moments, he's fantastic. But Avengers versus X Men was just not good. I did like, I did like them, <laughs> the Avengers like dropping Wolverine out of a plane when he was just gonna go kill Hope. And they're like, ha, nope, push. And they just dropped him in, like, the middle of, like, the Arctic. That was fun. But, yeah, no, I'm sorry for just blabbing on, but that's, like, one of my favorite <laughs> adventures ever. That's all good. Real fast, um, speaking back on Inferno, um, this whole event made me really, really love Sinister. Like, just showing how much of a badass he is as a villain like when they were in the astral plane and how he was like manipulating and erasing memories just made me really be like oh my god this is where it all began this is like how he's been the master manipulator from the beginning and I'm like and he's still doing it to this day I think he has a big manipulation plot by Krakoa like, I think Hellions is big, not even the start of it. I feel like it's in the middle of it already. Like, I feel like he already has so many seeds planted in Krakoa, and it's just going to come to fruition sooner or later. Yeah, because I'm like, think about it. In the 2000 issue, it was all about Sinister. So I'm like, there's there's a reason Sinister. There's a big focus in a lot of these books. Okay. Does anybody else have anything they really want to say about uh, Inferno? I think I'm good. No, no, um, I'm good. I I like the event. It was pretty good. I'm glad. That, I'm glad y'all, um, you and Amos suggested about reading this event. It was, it was a nice read. It was a good read. Long read, okay. but it was a good read. Okay, so I think I know we discussed doing Generation Hope next. Does anybody else have any? other storylines they'd rather do instead or anything they think would be topical for right now? Hmm. I'm trying to think of something that would tie in with all this that's currently going. Like, the only thing I could think about is going back and reading the vampire stuff with the mutants. Ooh, I have actually a good idea. Why don't we read the Supernovas book of x-men legacy where the children of the vault show up Ooh. oh okay yeah yeah so what is it <laughs> it's called supernovas, supernovas. okay yeah, yeah it's so i i will look up what what exactly consists of supernova supernovas and i will get back to everybody on that but yeah i think reading something reading like the origin of the children of the vault would be a good um good place for us to go next yeah yeah i'd like to know more about them in general okay awesome well uh this has been dawn of expo is this the 10th this is the 10th episode everybody yeah oh my god 10 episodes (laughs) wow look at me just remembering numbers um (laughs) well happy 10th happy 10th episode everybody Yeah, happy 10. We made it to 10 episodes. We're double digits. 
the comic book industry did not make it to 10 episodes, but we made it to 10 episodes. <laughs> we made it to double numbers before Donna Hicks did. God, I'm, I'm so bitter. Like, I'm like, I've been wanting to start a podcast forever, and then, like, the minute I finally get my podcast going on, like, a regular basis, the very subject matter of the podcast that, I'm, that we're doing completely grinds to a halt. And it just makes me want, and I know that's really selfish, like it's really looking like small, like small picture of what's everything's going on in the world right now, but it just makes me want to flip a table, because I'm right. just like, oh, <laughs> I'm like. But that's because it's our escape. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's our hobby, too. It's not just an escape either. It's like something we truly enjoy, and it's something we look we, forward to. Yeah, something like every week. It's not like a monthly thing or a bi-monthly thing. It's every week thing that we want to read in comic books. So the thing that we do, like, literally every week that we can't do anymore, plus everything else that's going on in the world, it just makes it, like, even harder. Even if it's, like, a, a trivial thing, oh, you can't buy comic books, oh, your life is not over. Like, yeah, but it still sucks. And also to see, like, on a not as positive note, seeing all the, like, like writers and artists, especially the freelancers going through all this, yeah. like, it really sucks. Like, though, like, we're... We're all like buying, or some of us are trying to if we can afford it, to buy you know commissions and supporting our local comic book shops. Which mm. any listeners doing that, please do that. You know, support your local artists, freelancers, comic book shops, do all that. And we'll come out a little unscathed by this at you know down the line. We'll still get comic books again. All this will flush away at some point. But you know. This right right now, it just sucks. But we'll get through it together. <laughs> Speaking of oh, which, we'll... um, just one shout out to Dawn of X writer Leah Williams for starting uh, 28 Pages Later, which is a really great database on what comic shops are still open and what their type of things they're offering. And good on her because she's like, I am really good at data entry. So she just started a whole database, and it like it worked with her. I think her she used Joshua Williamson and Donnie Cates and like threads they had created about trying to you know get the word out what comic shops are still open, and she started like a whole just the like a great website and resource, and it's cool to see a fellow queer creator and especially an ex-creator go out of their way to try to help the industry as a whole and it's just it's really cool and and if and it sucks because like she's one of the writers i've been so excited about having seeing their you know dawn of x book and in my opinion has the coolest concept out of all the dawn of x books and then just it's not going to be coming out probably like when is it coming out I don't know, because Marvel just announced a third of their books are going to be, you know, put on hold. And I'm losing my mind because I still haven't said which ones. Well, hopefully by May we'll, you know, get some information and more things will come out. And, you know, hopefully by May the coronavirus thing will dissipate some more um, and not grow as it is. Um, that's what I keep hoping in my mind. I'm trying to put that positivity out there and be like, hey, you know what? People are going to start listening and we're, the coronavirus is going to start dissipating and we're, the lives are going to come back to normal maybe in June, hopefully. I'm going to put that out there. It's going to happen. <laughs> and, and real quick, I'm saying June, Cebulski, July, probably. Sidney Cebulski said that um, 
the publishing companies are looking towards a digital resolution here soon. So there's that at least. Soon, soon doesn't tell us anything. Whoa. <laughs> That's why they're saying soon because we saw that one company that tried to say next week and what ended up happening? Nothing. <laughs> That's fair. That's a good point. Wow, that was disappointing 48 hours i was so excited because like yeah. my comic shop was one of the comic shops that had already was already tied into that service even before the whole thing went down and i was like oh my god my comic shop's involved this is great perfect awesome and then 48 hours later they're like yeah i completely failed oh <laughs> okay no, that, that's I'm, just gonna, like the com- I'm just gonna go back to over here either. <laughs> no, imagine us, man. Comicsology keeps sending us emails saying your subscription for next week, and it shows all the the Dawn of X books. And I'm like, you say that, but it's not going to be there when I wake up tomorrow. <laughs> they keep sending me emails. It's just like twisting the knife each time. They're like, oh, look at the books that are coming out this week. And I'm like, no, no, they're not. But the good thing about all this, one pot, another positive, is that we can catch up like we did today on all kinds of old events and storylines that we haven't read before like i've never read inferno and now i actually had time to do it and i'm glad i did like i really enjoyed that event that we read and it made me appreciate even more like the um the pullback that we're getting the dawn of x to past stories because i've actually read it and actually know what they're talking about now <laughs> instead of having to like google it and wikipedia it i already know it because i read it <laughs> i mean yeah that's a very bright way of looking at it and i guess with all us, you know, airing our grievances with current uh, day events, I think we can put a stop to it here. Um, yeah. This has been done with Xbook Check. My name is Fox. You can find me at AgentFit777 on Twitter. My, My name, name is... Oh, you go, Amos. <laughs> My name is Amos. I'm at Unworthington's on Twitter. My name is Rodders. I'm Rod Bunny Slay on Twitter and Instagram. My name is Juan. You can find me at Chango, C-H-A-N-G-O, A-T-X, on all the socials. Can I say something really quickly? C-H-N-G-O and Chango was his name. I'm sorry. It just... It just <laughs> no, no, no. I used to get it all, all the time. I, I missed it. <laughs> it just hit me right there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go on. Go on. Go, 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 go. Ignore me. I'm stupid. Just go. Go, go, go. <laughs> And thank, thank you all you for being a part of our habitat, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we hope to see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.